Hi, everybody. It's Wednesday, January 25th, 2017. It's 12 p.m. Eastern Time. We have a fantastic speaker series in process, and Reverend Bill Marchione here today to share with us his own experience, wisdom, teachings, and we thank you, Bill, for that, and hand over the mic to you with a heartfelt joy and gratitude. Everybody go ahead and mute unless you're ready to talk. It helps the quality of the recording. Thank you, Martha Creek, and uh, good uh well, it's, it's barely morning. Uh, it's morning for most of you and uh, just barely afternoon for some of us. Uh, I'm in Philadelphia here. And uh, thank you very much for joining in. Um, this is a topic that I absolutely love talking about. It's either the ancient wisdom in modern language or the new language of new thought. And it's just been a passion of mine for an awfully long time. Uh, but as we like to say at New Thought Philadelphia, we begin this session the way we begin everything in a practical prayer or as the... Uh, uh, the other language refers to it, a spiritual mind treatment. So if there's anybody on the line who would like to volunteer to do the treatment, please speak up in the next couple of seconds. In which case, I will do our opening prayer or our pray-in or our invocation or our spiritual mind treatment. <clears throat> and the uh, multiple uses of the language are the sort of thing that are going to continue along. So please join me in knowing the truth, that there is one power and presence, one infinite intelligence, one divine love, one limitless energy, that God essence that shares itself through and as and in every aspect and every facet of its creation. There is only this infinite love, and it's revealing itself right now as me, as each one involved in this call, as everyone who listens to this recording, as everyone who is touched by these ideas. This divine light of God's infinite love is sharing and shining and revealing itself through this conversation today, through the ideas that are shared, through the insights that are gleaned, through the comments that are exchanged, through the growth and the unfolding and the development and the goodness that is revealing itself right here and now. And I'm grateful for this time. I'm grateful for this opportunity. I'm grateful for everyone who is participating. And I'm most certainly grateful for the ability to speak this word of intention to the same creative law that has always said yes knowing it is once again replying with a loud and loving yes. And so it is. So I'm going to start by uh, just uh, talking about uh, how I came to be uh, hosting this session today, um, uh, kind of my path up until this point. Um, then we'll talk about the, um, the key takeaways that we're going to have for this session, um, which first of all are that the words, words that we use are important and that lingo can make the ideas less accessible to newcomers, uh, even though it is uh, uh, very familiar and comfortable for those of us who have been doing this for a while. Um, and also uh, some key notions on how we can maintain the integrity and the, the value of the language that came from Ernest Holmes and all of the other teachers um, and, and still bring in a new language uh, to allow it to become accessible to other people. And uh, uh, so there will be some, some interactive pieces along the way where we get to uh, each share uh, our own uh, takes uh, on this stuff. So I'll kick off with, uh, with my path. <clears throat> I uh, spent a fair amount of time as a uh, morning radio personality uh, doing comedy voices and writing sketch comedy and uh, then went into advertising where I was a copywriter and learned along the way that words are very important. The sequence that we put the words in can be very important. Uh, the difference between a joke that works brilliantly and a joke that works not at all can sometimes be the same words used in a slightly different sequence. And in copywriting, it's the, uh, it's the, the notion of being able to put some words together to convey an idea and inspire somebody to take a specific action even if they're not right there in front of us. Um, and I experienced a fair amount of success with that. Uh, along the way, um, I, I, I uh, turned away from organized religion um, in, uh, when I was a teenager. Um, uh, and in fact, uh, there's the joke that uh, having found new thought, I still have rejected organized religion. Um, but that, you know, <laughs> make up your own joke there. Uh, and when I was in my uh, early 30s, I uh, happened to find uh, New Thought in the form of a Science of Mind church. Um, it was uh, an RSI church in Florida, uh, and I took to the teaching like a fish taking to water because this was all the stuff that I had always believed. And I learned about infinite mind, and I learned spiritual mind treatment, I learned about practitioners and demonstrations and manifesting a new experience in my life, and it was absolutely magical, and uh, moved from 
uh, Florida to uh, Pennsylvania and got to participate in a lot of different um, spiritual communities. So there were some United Churches of Religious Science back in those days, and there were some RSI churches, and settled in uh, with uh, Reverend Dr. Carol Lawson at uh, Center for Conscious Living, uh, which is an Anton Center, which was uh, all of the curriculum uh, came from United. Uh, so I learned a little bit from there and a little bit from here. Uh, after I left CCL, I went to an RSI church and was taking part in all of that uh, and did my ministry training there as the transformation happened from uh, Religious Science International into International Centers for Spiritual Living and then the Combined Centers for Spiritual Living. Uh, and when New Thought Philadelphia was founded, who uh, was founded as an Anton Center. Um, so I've been able to approach this from all of the different sides of, uh, certainly of religious science, um, with the cross-pollination of language and the difference between a five-step treatment and a seven-step treatment and what do you mean by this particular use of the language and why do those people say this that way and why do the other people say it the way that they did. And along the way, I noticed that when we're talking to people, actually when we're talking to each other, it's pretty typical to have a conversation where somebody will say, oh, I was having an issue, so I went to a practitioner, I had a treatment, and now I've manifested a demonstration. And as I say that, everybody who's listening to this call knows exactly what I'm talking about. And at the same time, you understand that when I say that I went to a practitioner for a treatment and manifested a demonstration, that's lingo. That is something that somebody who is new to our teaching, who is probably open to the ideas and the philosophies that we have, and certainly would be a good candidate for joining us, wouldn't know what the heck we're talking about. What do you, what do you mean? You, uh, the practitioner? What kind of a practitioner? And the treatment? What was the treatment? And when you manifest a demonstration, what in the world do you mean? This was all kind of brought into focus when I was working um, uh, when New Thought Philadelphia first started uh, meeting, we did it at a holistic healing center called the Kalyana Center. And there were various uh, modes of uh, healing therapy that were done there. And I was one of the practitioners. Um, and there's a woman who does uh, Ayurvedic medicine and Marma Point. And um, there were massage therapists. And there were people who were treating, uh, teaching primordial sound meditation and um, uh, Feldenkrais and the yoga. And every last one of the people who was providing a healing service there was called a practitioner. And the question was not, what I'm, was I a practitioner? What was I a practitioner of? So I found myself having to explain about being a, uh, a religious science practitioner. But then, of course, you use the term religious science, and the first question somebody asks is, is that like Scientology? And I've learned to answer that question by not answering the question. I say, what do you know about Scientology? And when it turns out they don't know anything, then I just tell them, about religious science or about new thought. But here I was at the Kalyana Center, and we're talking about the, 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 the services that I provide as a practitioner and what it is that I'm going to be able to do. And so I started working on what alternate language could be for people who are very open to alternative modes of healing and, and, and self-growth and, and, and personal transformation. Uh, in a way that I could make that be relevant. And so the alternate language that we've come up with, I, I still talk about spiritual mind treatment. And when I do one, by golly, it is a spiritual mind treatment, but I call it a practical prayer. And when I talk about the results, the demonstrations that happen from one of those practical prayers, one of those uh, experiences in, uh, in healing, um, I talk about results. So I actually wrote a book and called it Practical Prayer for Real Results, and basically relanguaged spiritual mind treatment. And the reason I wrote the book wasn't to, 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 to crib the ideas from somebody else and claim them as my own. It was because what I really wanted when I was first getting into uh, to, to new thought and religious science, uh, you know, when I was in my, uh, my 101 class um, in the very beginning, there, were, there wasn't a book that had a bunch of sample treatments that I could do, where I could just choose one on my particular topic and, and read it and use that as my training wheels to get started. And I looked around for that a lot. There, was a, a, there were a couple of pamphlets uh, that were kind of helpful. Um, there were, I had the ability to listen to other people and kind of read between the lines and figure it out myself. Uh, my teachers were very helpful in doing the one-on-one -on -one in learning how to do this. But there wasn't a book where I could say, okay, this, is, this, is, this one works, and then I can embellish it, and I can, I can use that as my starter and take off from there. 
So the book that I wrote is all languaged as practical prayer. And then there are 40 treatments in there, and some of them are five-step treatments, and some of them are seven-step treatments, and the book explains the difference. And the steps are all labeled, and it's made to be understandable. And the important part for me is the relanguaging that we're able to do. Because when I tell somebody that I am a practitioner of healing prayer, or, a pra- or, or that I do practical prayer, and that as, the redu- as a result of the prayer, something's going to happen, and we, just, we talk about that as a result, then at New Thought Philadelphia on Sunday mornings, after we do our invocation, which we call our pray-in, our opening prayer, uh, we ask people to, to share a prayer work story. So we don't talk about demonstrations, although that's what we mean. So we can do a healing prayer to get a result, and the person doing that can be a, 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 a trained or a licensed or a certified practitioner of healing prayer. And we're saying exactly the same thing that Ernest Holmes is talking about in the Science of Mind textbook, but we're using slightly different language. And what we found is that it makes it really accessible because when somebody overhears that conversation of, oh, yeah, I saw a practitioner to get a treatment, I've manifested a demonstration, they're not on the outside of the circle wondering what those words mean. Um, and, and by using the, the, the more common everyday modern language, we can say, oh, yeah, I did, I did a prayer session and I, I got a great result from my prayer. As people get involved, as they, as they move, um, uh, as they join the circle and then they move through into the group and become part of the inner circle and continue growing, they can deepen into that knowledge. And instead of turning away from all of the, 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 the language that's been very successful, the science of mind, the, the, the textbook and all of the other books, everything that, that Holmes has written and, and the other teachers that came before him and the ones that have come since have added a lot of real value. So what we do is we make sure as we go through the classes, uh, especially the certification classes and most particularly the practitioner classes, is to make sure that our students understand both versions of the language and understand why we're using two versions of the language. And the big reason is because when we go to a national conference, we want our folks to be able to speak the same language that everybody else is speaking and also be able to speak the language that they can speak out in the public. So that turns out um, to, to, to be very important and not nearly as difficult uh, as you would think it is. Um, one of the really fun things that we did when we got started is we developed a game that we call Lingo Bingo. And the idea is that if somebody's in one of our classes and they hear either the instructor or another student or even when we read something in the materials, that where the language is confusing but the words seem like they ought to be important is they can just interrupt right there and yell lingo bingo and we'll stop and we'll take a look at it and, you know, and, and determine are we using um, uh, insider lingo to describe something that's actually really important that we want people to be able to understand. And that's really helpful for a couple of reasons. First of all, it stops us and it keeps us more on our game. And the other thing is it lets the people in the room understand, regardless of how far along the path they are, um, which stuff is the, uh, is the lingo and is the traditional language and what's the new language that we're meaning. And so everybody is building their own translation library um, uh, for themselves, their own dictionary in their head so that they can uh, understand both of them. And the students who we have say that it's not confusing to them at all. It's actually really helpful. It's kind of like growing up in a household where your parents speak English and your grandparents speak Spanish. Uh, the kids learn to speak both languages. It's like, oh, you're talking to them, you speak Spanish. When you talk to them, you speak English. When I go out on the playground, I can speak either one, but my friends are going to understand this, that, or the other thing a little bit better. So there's a story from, uh, from when I was a kid uh, uh, that occurred to me yesterday that I'd like to share. So I grew up in... Uh, in North Jersey. And when I was in high school, we used to go into New York City and try and do fun things for free. Um, and New York City can be a lot of fun, but not necessarily uh, anything that you can do uh, cheap, and very few of them that you can do for free. And one of the things that we would do is we'd go in on the days that, um, uh, that they were uh, taping the TV show, The $20,000 Pyramid, which was uh, the Dick Clark uh, daytime game show. And uh, if you don't remember the game, they wind up in the lightning round or the, the final round where the celebrity and the, uh, the contestant are sitting and one of them is looking at this pyramid that has words on it. And the, um, the, the person with their, uh, with their back to the uh, screen has to guess what the word is and the person who's facing the screen has to say a word that will make them think of the word. 
<clears throat> it's a lot easier to watch it than it is to have somebody explain it like that. So anyway, there were two men uh, doing the final round of the $20,000 pyramid, and they had answered five of the questions correctly. There was maybe three seconds left. And the top word on the pyramid turned over, and the word was pediatrician. And foot doctor. And I thought, and everybody in the audience thought, oh, that's, he, 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 he meant to say podiatrist, <laughs> or that the word is podiatrist. Uh, it's a kid doctor. But what he said was foot doctor. And the guy with his back to, screen, to the screen listened to the guy say foot doctor, and he said pediatrician. And he won the $20,000. And he won the $20,000 by using the wrong word. But the fact was they both used the wrong word, and that's how the guy won the $20,000. And that story has stayed with me for a long time because the important part about the word is, first of all, that we all agree what the word means, but more importantly is that when I say the word, it's transferring an idea from my mind into your mind. And at that point, it doesn't really matter what other people think of the word. It's about us being able to communicate. So I very much want to keep that in mind as we're talking about um, the, the new language of new thought or taking this ancient wisdom and putting it into modern languages, that there's some value in being able to say the words that we've learned to say, like treatment and demonstration, and know what it is that we're meaning and be able to, uh, to, 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 to communicate in a way that the person in front of us can understand. <clears throat> so the other thing that, uh, that has come up for me and we, we, we think about a lot is that Ernest Holmes titled his autobiography Open at the Top, and he was very much insistent that he, his word was not the last word uh, on the teaching. And there have been lots of wonderful people who have come along since then and added on to that. And so what we're doing is not undermining what Ernest Holmes did at all, but we're taking that opening at the top and we're putting something in to make that be uh, an embellishment of it instead. So I've gone over some of the words, um, and then there are also some phrases uh, that uh, tend to show up. So practitioner treatment, demonstration, manifestation. Uh, another one is outpicturing. Um, there's unfoldment. When we talk about we are going to uh, bring forward, um, or in, in, in a prayer, somebody talks about each one. And I have heard prayers or treatments where somebody talks, of, and they're doing it in front of the group, and they say each one, and they do it 20 times. And it's not that those are bad words. It's that those words might be crutches. Those might be catchphrases for us. So what, one of the things that I want to do um, as we get into this call is see if anybody else has some of those uh, words or trigger words or catchphrases um, that, uh, that have come up for them and uh, either what you've done to, uh, to reframe or rephrase that uh, or to ask for ideas from the rest of the group about how it is that we can say the same thing but use different language to do it. And, of course, there are also some trigger words. Um, some people do not like to use the word God. Uh, some people don't like the word church. They have an allergy to it. Uh, some people talk about Sunday service, and it brings back all of the things that they hated about going to uh, church on Sunday mornings. Uh, the word worship uh, can do the same thing for some people. And I already mentioned, of course, religious science, which can trigger people to say, is that Scientology um, or or, or come up with some other defensive mechanism or idea. And the, the important thing about trigger words is that as we're having a communication with somebody, what we want to be able to do is express an idea or share a thought that we're having and have them understand and be able to move ahead in the conversation. And when we hit somebody's trigger word, uh, they circle the wagons. The shields go up and they stop listening to what it is that we're saying now and where we want to go next and they start having that memory of whatever it was that the priest said to them when they were seven or whatever horrible thing happened to them the last time they went into a, a church. Uh, I, I had a Jewish friend who just had this amazing fear of going to a wedding in a Catholic church because he could swear that there were going to be bats coming down out of the top of the, uh, the church. Um, I had been to those events before, had never seen the bats, thought it might be pretty cool, but uh, um, there was no uh, shaking what his uh, belief was, what, what his um, allergy to that particular word was. So they're also trigger words, and they're, they're likely to be different in your community than they are in, uh, uh, in, in my community. Um, 
and and there's some of them so some trigger words I'm, I'm perfectly willing to to tap dance around and others it's like nope we're going to have to step into that and, and work on the uh um, on the allergy uh, we definitely talk about god at new thought philadelphia um, although I've talked to some of my fellow ministers at uh, other centers, and they uh, they mention God every now and again, but they don't necessarily focus on it. Uh, and again, that's you know whatever works for you. But to do it intentionally and to be aware of what's going on, uh, we call our um, organization uh, a spiritual community rather than a church because of the the, the there's a heavy Catholic um, population in the area and a lot of people have a really strong connotation of what they think church means uh, and all of the compulsory things that come along with it. So we don't use the word church from the platform or in any of our promotional materials, although when people are talking to each other about going to church on Sunday morning, we just smile and let them say what they're going to say because, again, that's the conversation that they're having. So that will be another question that I'm going to open up for the group is uh, what are the trigger words for you? And uh, I think the, the last thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to go over the catchphrases. Um, and this is, this is an exercise that I began doing when uh, I first uh, was getting ready to go into practitioner class. And the idea is, what do you really mean? And there are a lot of phrases that I hear other people use in their treatments all the time, and sometimes in their sermons, and sometimes in their regular conversation, and they use the same phrase over and over again. And sometimes it's delightful, and it's wonderful, and it's insightful. And sometimes it's like being a dog hearing a really high-pitched sound, and my head just tilts to the side. It's like, what do you mean? And a couple of examples of those are... Um, I've I've had practitioners talk about the peace that surpasses all human understanding. And I know exactly what that means. And it feels really good. And and and, and it's got a very powerful evocation. But it doesn't resonate with me because they they can't know that. They can't know that there's there's a peace that passes all human understanding. They can know that it's a peace that passes all of my understanding, all of my human understanding, all of our human understanding. But I can't claim anything for all human understanding because there are some pretty insightful humans. And there's a great phrase which we use in Science of Mind, which is used in, um, uh, in biblical scripture as well, which is in, in which we live, move, and have our being. And I know exactly what that means, and I get a real visceral feeling for that in which we live, move, and have our being. But if we're talking about the infinite mind and the power and the presence of God, and we use that, and it's a catchphrase, and we just say it because that's what we always say, there's a real possibility that we're going to lose our connection with what it actually means and just be doing the words. So whenever I find myself using the same phrase over and over again, I like to stop and say, what do I really mean by this? And is there a different way that I can say the same thing? Not necessarily a better way that I can say the same thing, but just what's a different way that I can say the same thing. And I come at the same idea from a different direction. And that's how I hone my craft and I work on my own uh, Uh, You know, I'm upping my own game that way. Um, Not because I'm necessarily changing what I say when I'm in a a healing prayer session doing practitioner work for somebody uh, or on the platform, but because it gives me the opportunity to question myself, and and the questioning leads to the verification that, yeah, this is the way that I want to be saying that. Uh, And sometimes there's a change. a lot of minister friends of mine uh, have taken to uh, ending their uh, group prayers by saying, and we close together by saying, and so it is. And um, the, the comedy writer part of me thinks that that's funny because we, this is a teaching of oneness. There's one mind, there's one power and presence. So if one of us says it, then all of us are saying it, and we don't need to say it together. Um, and then the other part of it, which is the, uh, the inclusivity in the circle part of it, when we do that in front of a brand new person who's at our celebration or our, our, our church service for the first time, they don't know what we're going to say. So when we close together by all saying, and so it is, they're left out. Now, that may or may not be a big deal, but it's certainly something that when we do it, we want to be aware of what are the possibilities. Where's the circle? Who's involved in the circle? And if you really want to say that, then work out a way that you can put that into the uh, uh, that you can put that into the language of how you're doing your presentation, and include everybody. So one of the things that uh, um, that we that, that 
my partner, Reverend Dave, and I learned uh, at Center for Conscious Living is that the universe always says yes. So we end our group prayers by invoking that, and we let everybody say yes together. And the way that we do it is we put a little bit of a prompt or a cue we say, and we put this word into the same law, the same creative law that has always said yes, knowing it once again responds with a big, loud, and loving yes. And by the time we get to it, even if somebody's never heard us say that before, they pretty much know that we're going to say yes. And when everybody shouts yes together, they feel like they're part of the group. And the next time they know that they're going to be able to shout along as well. If you find yourself talking about God, that's great, as long as you're okay talking about God. If you find yourself talking about Mother, Father, God, then acknowledge what you mean when you say Mother, Father, God. And if you had to use a different term or a different phrase to say the same thing, what might that be? Because then when you come up with that alternative or two or three or four different alternatives, then you can choose and decide, is Mother, Father, God the way that I want to be expressing my explanation of the infinite? Or is one of the other choices going to work better for me? Or do I want to be taking turns so that um, I can come at that same thing from a lot of different directions? Another one that comes up, uh, in me, as me, and through me. God, I love that. This is that power and presence working in me, as me, and through me. And that was, the f- that, that was actually the phrase that got me started on all of this with the understanding that I kind of knew what it meant and I would use the the phrase over and over again, and then I realized that I wasn't connecting with the immense power that that had of claiming that the infinite is acting in me and and, and is is, is sharing and pouring its energy through me and projecting itself into the world as me. And so I really reconnected with what that means. And now when uh, when I use that phrase... I do everything that I can to connect to the power of it rather than just using the words. And in a teaching where it's all about the word and the power of the word, then being able to bring our own energy to the way that we're using the words doesn't give the word any more power. I mean, the the word is activating the infinite law of God, so it's going to have the power that it's going to have. But we can certainly feel it and resonate with it to a deeper degree. And, uh, and get that, that, that energy of our own focus on our own attention and the people who are listening to us and praying with us and working with us uh, to that level as well. So um, I'd love to open it up if anybody has some catchphrases or some trigger words or some stuff. Um, you can out yourself and say that you, you find yourself saying this all the time and how do I do it differently, um, although we will probably like to do the more fun part of it, which is to say to, 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 to out other people on the stuff that we hear them saying all the time. Um, and you can even do one, you know, you can have one of those things like my friend always says and then cop to your own thing. Um, so anybody who'd like to share, just uh, I don't know how we raise our hand here, but just speak up. Hi, this is Mary Beth, and one of the the funny things we used to say when we had our center here in Chicago, uh, for a while after service, we would do, you know, just a short treatment, you know, like we call One mir- Minute Miracle or whatever, and at one point they were referring to them as laser treatments, <laughs> and, and when we started thinking about <laughs> about what the first time people would think of, you know, just go into that room and you're going to have a laser treatment. <laughs> Yeah, they're going, what are we going to do? Um, we're going to remove hair or what? <laughs> <laughs> so our practitioners renamed it. But, you know, a couple of the words that I think um, need to be unpacked a lot are the words good and the word perfect because they get over and over and over, and I think uh, they they lose their meaning, and there's a, there's a whole different connotation um, of both of them. And that's been something that I've... Um, devoted myself to sometimes when I'm teaching out of something that uses it a lot. Hmm. The word perfect just gets, I mean, just overly, overly, overuse, and also the word good, because the word good um, can can really um, be difficult for somebody who's in the middle of something that's absolutely other than good in their eyes. Yep, absolutely. Almost Thanks for that. You know. Yeah, one of the uh, <laughs> uh, I spent a lot of time uh, as a teen advisor, and um, the, the the kids who grew up in religious science had a, a phrase for it. They called it RSBS, 
uh, and that's when something horrible would happen to one of their fellow teens, and somebody would say, oh, it's all good. It's like, no, no, it's not. You know, and they try to they try to sugarcoat it and you know tell them that uh, you know in the, it, that it's that it not not that it's going to be okay, but that it already is okay, um, or that whatever horrible thing that they just did is okay because it's all good, uh, and they call each other on it by pointing out that they're invoking RSBS. And uh, one of the terms that uh, that we sometimes use is. Uh, um, and we put an S at the end because it makes it 10% more spiritual, is it sucketh. So if we're in a situation and it sucketh, we can acknowledge that the situation or the experience sucketh, and then we can invite in the good and see the perfection in it and, and, and open the door for that next bit of it. But yeah, I, I completely know what you're talking about. If we're looking at problems and saying it's all good and this is perf- perfection unfolding, um, there's the possibility of having a huge disconnect. Thank you for that, Mary Beth. Anybody else? It's Martha. I've got a few. Um, sorry, I overtalked some. Whoever's ready, go ahead. Oh, no, not a problem, Ms. Utamaria. Um, I, I just wanted to uh, mention that uh, this is a huge subject for me because I come out of unity. And um, so the lingo, quote unquote, of science of mind is sometimes. Um, separate like it separates the the new thought group so for me it's very important to have this more um uh like regular language that's understood by everybody and so there's so many examples it's too many to to even begin but my most uh, greatest focus is really to speak in a language that is uh, conveys oneness. If we teach oneness, then we need to adapt or adjust our language to to speak oneness. So there's a lot going on in my life about language. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's my two cents here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. And actually, when uh, when Mary Beth brought up good, um, it reminded me of my absolute all-time favorite Emma Curtis Hopkins quotes. Uh, which yes. is this too is good, this too is God, this too is for me now, and I demand to see the blessing in it. Yeah, and Helen Street. Helen Street used to call that the goddamn it treatment. <laughs> yep, yep. And you know, you put your hand on your hip and you stomp your foot and you yell, "I demand to see the blessing in this." But that's you know that's because this sucketh, and I demand to see the blessing in it because it is not obvious to me right now. Yes. Yeah, and and um. Yeah, and you know, for for people who have come from Unity, um, you know, one of our board members spent a long time in Unity, and he's you know also one of my students, and he's he's really smart guy, so he's understanding where the difference in the language is, and we've got a, a pretty easy on ramp, um, but uh, it's it's really it's wonderful to be able to 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 bounce these off of him, and uh, and he's also willing to play lingo bingo, so he'll interrupt us in the middle of a class. Um, and it really, it really can can be a wonderful shift. So, and uh, and uh, Maria, I'd love to, uh, to 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 hear more examples from you if you can think uh, of any. I can. Uh, I want to add one thing here uh, because I am on the co- uh, conference committee, Anton Conference Committee, and uh, what is so uh, fantastic about the next Anton Conference at Unity Village is that we are bringing together. Um, science of mind, uh, unity, and uh, divine science members, and that this is so important that we use a more unified language, and um, we are um, we are aware of that as we prepare for the conference. So, just wanted to add that too. That's wonderful. Yeah, and especially with that venue, I'd love to have a session. You know, called "What the heck are we talking about?" Um, and, you know, with with somebody from each of those groups is like here here here's some of our catchphrases, and the, the other guys can call you on the other ones that you're using, because yeah, some of them are really obvious. Let's put um, that on the list here. Okay. And, what uh, the heck? What what the heck? <laughs> what the heck are we talking about? Uh-huh. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, somebody else want to jump in? Martha, you had one? Yeah, well, some of these were covered here. I'd like to hear um, what the alternatives to Mother, Father, God is and how they're used. Um, I'm so glad to hear oneness being spoken, and you you, um, covered this business that it's all good. 
it's all good. It's all good. And I often say um, it, in the absolute it's all good, but uh, your faith hasn't caught up to that yet. So um, <laughs> we back back here at the ranch, <laughs> back, back home here at the ranch in our humanness, we've got some evolving to do around that. The other yep. words I made notes as I listened to you, Bill, was divine order, which is akin to that it's all good. And another term was mastermind, the mastermind, and masterminding. Do you want a mastermind? Um, assuming that. Uh, the other words were truth. Speak the truth, speak the truth, the truth, capital T truth, little t truth, reality, big R reality, little r reality. And I also, from a church consultant's perspective, I caution um, centers, boards, and their leadership about using terms that are not even relative to the theology and the teaching that can be just as confusing or worse than what we're talking about here, which is like uh, meet in the CR room, uh, meet in the Anderson Chapel, um, the classes being held in uh, BR 54319. And most congregants sometimes don't know where that is either, and other than long-termers, old-timer types, and certainly guests and the people we're trying to reach the most in some cases with these offerings and programmings and teachings, uh, we may as well be speaking Japanese. So this word use that you're referring to goes um, not just theologically, but organizationally, culturally, um, practically as well. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you for that. So uh, at New Thought Philadelphia, you're, you're talking about you know Mother, Father, God, or how you how we refer to the infinite. Um, and so in our standard opening, which we uh, pretty thoroughly borrowed from the Zumullans, um, we say that uh, at the beginning, we, we basically we condense down the 13 things in um, what we believe that Ernest Holmes wrote, which condensed down to five that Agape has. Um, so we just we put it into one, uh, which is that we believe there's one power, love, intelligence that creates everything, and that same power, love, intelligence, including including me, including us, and we use that same power, love, intelligence to create our lives according to our beliefs, or to put it for short, our new life begins with a new thought. And so in that we don't mention God, and we specifically don't mention God there. We'll mention God at other times later in the uh, in, in the celebration, which we don't call a service. Um, so we don't shy away from the God word, but we don't put it up there in the in the front claim. Um, and, and the rest of the words, I'll, I'll, I'll hold off on uh, um, on some of them, partly because I'm going to my mastermind group meeting tonight. But don't don't take me down on that one. Um, Anybody else? How do you uh, um, how, how do you uh, frame yourself, or what's 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 the that that short explanation of of who you are, what the belief system is that you use, and does it use God or Mother, Father, God, or Infinite, or what is it? This is Uta Maria again. Um, I also use a lot of sacred geometry words or sacred geometry explanations that. Um, universal language of mathematics and so uh, it would be the source maybe or um, the origin or it, it would make it clearer of uh, what we mean by oneness of uh, where uh, well where uh, where everything comes from the field of potentiality things like that great great anybody else this is Allie Benjamin from uh, the Satsu Center in Utah. And I love this conversation. Thanks, Bill, and everyone else for sharing. Um, I align with most of what all of you are saying and use a lot of different words for God. One that I like in particular is infinite organizing intelligence. Um, that's all I really have to say right now because I'm babysitting and I don't want to disturb you with the noise of little one, but I'm really enjoying this. Thank you. Excellent. Yeah. Um, thank you, Allie. And um, when I'm doing uh, uh, a healing prayer um, 
and I and I really want to get into it, especially for people who aren't on board. I, I I'll talk about um, the creator or the creative power in the universe and take it back to whatever the creation story is that the person in front of me is using. Uh, so if I know what their story is, then I can use their creation story, whether it's the Big Bang or Genesis or the happy coincidence or whatever it happens to be. But I attach that, and, and so the creator becomes the, um, uh, the, 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 the notion of the God presence uh, of infinite organizing intelligence is is wonderful. Um, you know, source source. They're all good, and they all have their uh, their their place. And uh, the ability to say the way that I've always done it may still work all the time. It may work 95% of the time. And I'm just going to go check myself and see if there's a way that I can say it once in a while that's going to bring either variety or a little bit more uh, perspective onto it. It might not bring any more depth. I mean, we're talking about the infinite, so it's got all the depth that there is. But being able to look at it from a slightly different vantage point or talk about it from that different vantage point uh, can be helpful for us when we're talking and also for other people when they're hearing it. Anyone else? How do you uh, open your, uh, uh, your Sunday celebrations? Nobody's coughing to it, Martha. <laughs> um, can anybody think of a, uh, a, a catchphrase or a buzzword that they've heard for a long time that has just gotten on their nerves to the point where they won't use it? Um, or that people have tagged somebody you know and say they say this all the time? God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Uh, do you get special credit if you say that ten times? Let me know. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, divine order also reminds me of um, sort of the uh, – <clears throat> that's one of those good news, bad news things. Uh, I had a friend who, who, who claims that everybody, every time someone told him everything was in divine order, it, mean, it meant that it was horrible and that he just had to accept it. Um, and he did not like that at all. Um, there's also the possibility that when you go into divine order, um, that's the invitation rather than the claim. You know, so I know that this is organized in divine order, and kind of like that Emma Curtis Hopkins quote is like, "Let's get to the point where we can see it." Um, there are also things that we absolutely refuse to pray for. Somebody says, "I want to pray uh, to to learn forgiveness." It's like, no way. There's no way, and I'm not going to pray for somebody to learn patience because the only way that you know that you've gotten patience is that God puts you at the back of an incredibly long line and you don't hurt anybody. Um, so it's pious sounding to do that, but um, there are some things that actually um, are not for our benefit, uh, even though it, it sounds or, or it, the the um, evocation of the word is uh, is that it could be something that's desirable or good. Uh, I'd like to be forgiving um, just because of the stuff that's already happened and find that my consciousness is changing rather than somebody's done something horrible again and I need to deal with it again. So what are some of the others anybody has? This too shall pass. <laughs> oh. Well, it's true, and it doesn't help. No. Yeah. Yeah. What does that mean to anybody who wants to jump in? Because I, you know, I was ready to tell my story about that. But um, when when you want to say this too shall pass, or somebody says this too shall pass, or what you want to do is mean that and say it to somebody who's in front of you, but it's going to really demean the experience that they're having to just offhandedly say this too shall pass. Yeah, it's dishonoring their experience. Well, yeah. I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it, Bill, that it's not helpful. And it took me a few decades to like uh, really let that sink in. And in the name of helping, in the name of caring about people, in the name of mentoring, in the name of coaching, the name of leading um, to use these platitudes. Um, it's you. I've heard the term medical or um, metaphysical malpractice 
and I can, and in my own heart, I would call it as close as I've ever become of being abusive. It was abusive to do that to human beings that are in a natural state of humanness to um, club them with some platitude instead of living from it, living from my um, embodiment and interpretation and embodiment activation of that um, and then expressing it through that instead of through words. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah. This is Margie. I'm one of the unitics, <clears throat> and uh, I, I think it's fun sometimes when a, when you're talking to a colleague and, you know, there's one of these this too shall pass moments to say uh, something like I saw today on a little blurb, and it just says, it might pass like a kidney stone, but it will pass. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, yeah. it helps to have humor, but you can only do that in certain circumstances. Yeah. Thank you, Margie. And what I do when, when those come up, on um, uh, in months that have a fifth Sunday, we do a healing celebration, and basically people can bring up whatever's going on for them, uh, and, and they'll, they'll tell, you know, their, they'll, they'll describe the condition and what it is that they want to have, and we'll help them reframe it into a positive affirmation so we can do a group prayer on it. Uh, and every once in a while, somebody is just, it's, they're, they're deep in the middle of it. And if I say, this too shall pass, it, it's dismissive. So one of the ways that I sometimes do that is I, is, as I look at them and I smile and I say, oh, you're in the second act. And, and they're like, what do you mean? It's like, well, in the first act of the movie, you meet all the characters and there's this wonderful possibility. In the second act, the villain shows up and everything goes horribly wrong. The good guys are going to die. The money's going to get stolen. It's, it, everything is going to be horrible. And then you get to the third act, and that's where the resolution happens, and the, the bad guys get defeated, and they go back to wherever it was that they came from, or they get put in jail, and the good guys win, and there's a love story, and, you know, fade out. The problem is you're telling the story, and you're in the second act. <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, you're right. That's horrible. That's awful. That's terrible. Let's, can you, you wish you could go back to the first act, but you can't because that stuff's not there anymore. And what needs to happen is the next part of the story. And that's what we're setting our intention for. So it, may, it will not change anything that happened this morning. It may change what happened starting this afternoon. And then, you know, we'll take it from there. And that's, that's a, a lot longer way of saying this too shall pass. Yeah, that's a fantastic shift of perspective. can really help people, I think, by lightening it up and by uh, depersonalizing it, uh, you know, getting themselves out of it and seeing it from the outside. Yeah, I've had people who have who've, who've responded to that, you know, by pointing out, oh, you know, when I just come up with that, so go, oh, you're in the second act. It's like I've now recognized where they are, and it's like they're not the first person who's been in the second act. They're not the first person who's had everything go sideways on them. And we've seen in other circumstances, they've, they've, they've seen the Star Wars movies, you know. It got really bad there in every last one of those movies, and then it got better towards the end of most of them. Um, <laughs> And that keeps happening over and over again. And the fact that they're in the middle of it, it can be helpful to know that other people who have been in the middle of it have gotten to the end of it and that there's a transformational process that's going on for them. You know, right back to, you know, and I demand to see the blessing in it. Well, thank you for that analogy because I think it really helps. I'm, of course, I'm a, a literature major in college and that's my interest, but uh, it does make sense to me. Oh, well, you know, on an infinite level, it's, it makes the story arc much more interesting mm-hmm. for everything to go to hell partway through. But, I mean, we don't like it to happen to us. <laughs> but, yeah, and in the documentation. Mary, Mary Morrissey um, tells about uh, some of the horrific stuff she went through, and one of her revelations off of it one day was this, the voice came to her just said, you know, this is a dark chapter, but it's not your whole story. Mm-hmm. And I, I've used that for myself, and I've, you know, depending on the timing, I've used it with other people, you know, framing it with her story, you know, because I, I find that kind of comforting sometimes. Just re- And that is the same thing as saying this too shall pass or this too yeah. shall bless. But, but when you're in the middle of the dark chapter, it is comforting to remember there's something coming after. Yep. 
So Martha brought up uh, uh, metaphysical malpractice, and uh, and of course that that's a, that does a that, that reminds me of. Uh, and there's there's one other um, that uh, I have found to be complete metaphysical malpractice, uh, and I didn't make it up. But uh, and that's when somebody says to somebody else, "What's in your consciousness?" Oh God! Yeah, yeah that's a bad one. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, they don't use that much anymore. I'm so glad. Oh, thank God that isn't around that much. <laughs> Although yeah, illusions, there's, there's different versions of it that, that um, people yeah. use that are equally nasty. Yeah, and, uh, and, and, and the most insidious ones um, that I've seen are in um, large New Thought organizations where it's minister-to-minister combat. And it's always interesting to see when, when, a, when a conflict comes up, who's going to be the first one who's going to pull the consciousness card. Oh well, this is this is this is all in your this is this is an outpicturing of your consciousness. It's like, really, you went there. <laughs> this, is, this is an outpicturing of all of our consciousnesses, and that's why we're having a conversation. This is not about me. This is about we. But it's you know, it takes a certain perspective to be able to just notice that it's happening and not respond to it because it's usually somebody who's who's calling our consciousness into question. So what about being told uh, this is coming from an unhealed consciousness? This is coming from your unhealed consciousness. <laughs> yeah, show me a healed one. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> are, you, are you casting the first stone? <laughs> That's pretty, pretty, pretty tough. Um, yeah, I mean that's 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 a diagnosis, and and that in its own way um, is uh, is as much of a of a circling the wagons as the response that some people have to, you know, to, to the tainted words, um, you know, not being able to talk about church, to be able to, 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 to pull that, well, that's coming from an unhealed consciousness. Does that mean that you get to dismiss what all my concerns are? Does that mean that you're somehow better than I am? Uh, you know, what, what do we mean by that? So let's go with it. It's, it's, it's an unhealed consciousness. How do, now what? Is that like you're fired, or is that like let's get started, or what does that mean? It means to go take some lessons with Martha. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. She's learning. She being Uh, Martha is learning. Yeah. Uh, Anything else uh, that's uh, that anybody else is uh, is feeling like sharing? Last chance, because I'm about to give you some homework, <laughs> which you are free to do or to not do. Yeah, I have to go before the homework. <laughs> I'm sorry, something, something's wrong with my phone. <laughs> <clears throat> so the homework, if you're willing to do it, is to take a group, could be your board, could be your practitioners, could be a class that you're teaching, and play Lingo Bingo, and just see what happens. See what happens because you, you, if you give people permission to interrupt in the middle of something and point out when you said it, um, it could be really fun because in, in some cases you say, did I say that? I didn't say that. And, and the rest of the group, like, yeah, you did. And you say that all the time. Um, the other thing that you can do is uh, uh, get a voice recorder. Um, if you don't, if you don't uh, actually get a voice recorder anyway, there's an app on your phone that you can use for it. And record yourself doing uh, a treatment or a prayer for somebody else. Just ask them if you can. And then listen back to it to hear the words that you use. And if you, if you record a few of them, you can see if you use the same words all the time. So you can find your own crutches and buzzwords by doing that. Um, if you've got a lot of nerve, you can ask your congregants, your students, and your practitioners to tell you what your crutches and buzzwords are. And some of them will be very polite, and one or two of them might actually tell you. Um, and again, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> truth, reality, divine order, whatever you want to call it, whatever comes back from that one uh, is an invitation to do whatever it is that you want to be doing next. And it's not about your, the way that you've been doing it has been wrong because it's gotten you to where you are now, but it's, it's an invitation. It's an opportunity. It's the way that you can notice what it is that you're doing, get a little deeper into it, and then, and then be able to choose how you want to restate it. Um, you know, I love doing, um, doing treatment out loud by myself and so, you know, I'm connected with spirit. So I'm saying all of the words as I'm guided by that, um, the, by the infinite. But I'm also able to listen 
to myself as I'm saying the words, and I can get to that point where I can that I can turn my head loose. It's like I know what I meant, and the way that that came out wasn't what I had in mind. So let me just go back and try it again and try it again. Sometimes I do two or three takes before I say, "Yeah, that that feels good," and. And just by having that process, we don't have to do it in public necessarily, but that, that lets us uh, uh, raise our game up a little bit. Uh, and every time I do it, I find that I get a little nugget about what it is that I can uh, shift or alter or, 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 or embellish or change. And it's also possible that you might have something you've been saying some way for years, and then you change it, and then you get to go back to it. And when you go back to it, it's even, even more meaningful, because it's, it's not the way that you've always done it. It's the way you want to do it. Any other questions, comments, insights, requests? It's well. a nice beginning to, to this conversation because it can go on and on. And thank you for, for initiating it, Bill. Well, and thank you, thank you, uh, Uta Maria, and, and thank you, everybody, for, for taking part in this. I love talking about this stuff. As, as you've heard, I will talk to myself about this in the car, and it's really great to be able to talk about it to other people who are actually uh, attuned and paying attention to the words and the, uh, uh, and the teaching as well. Yeah, I really felt this was very, uh, very meaningful discussion. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to invite anybody who wants to volunteer to pray out to do that for us. If we could, just before we pray, Bill um, and Uda Maria, thank you again, Bill. Thank you so much for this. And it's it's something that will um, um, serve me, and I believe anybody listening, and particularly as we go forward. Um, and um, that it was referred to um, the conference, the Anton Conference, so anton.org. Anton.org, and invite folks out at the iconic Unity Grounds World Headquarters out there at Unity Village, and um, come and join us. And you've seen, you may have seen the announcement. Uh, author, best-selling author Pam Grout is the speaker and keynote presenter, and outstanding music, uh, Greg Tamlin, and others to um, pray, play, and eat, and renew ourselves. So I hope to see you out there. Beautiful. Thank you. I know that I'm going to be there. Awesome. <laughs> Seven-day cruise last year was a little much for me, but Unity Village, I'm, I'm on board. Mm -hmm. Good to hear that. Absolutely. <clears throat> so if, if anybody would like to volunteer to pray out, then you can. And if I do it, then I'm probably going to try and hit everybody's buzzwords. Oh, I was thinking the same thing, Bill. So in truth and re mother, father, God, child of God, children of God, in truth and reality, all is one. We are one. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. It's all good. In divine order, through the power of the mastermind, we surrender this word to what is. Release it as it is so. Claim it as good. And begin again, understanding our role here human as the divine, and so it is. And so it is. And we, and we close together by all saying, and so, and it, so is. it is. And so it is. And laughed. <laughs> awesome. Thank love. you all. Love Have a great you day. All. Very you. good. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.